You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Doing church as a team for a long time. Actually, about uh, 25 years we've been saying doing church as a team. You can't do it as a staff because you never have enough money to get a big enough staff. You can't do it just as a few people. Everybody has to get a, be a part of the team. And uh, sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I'm a Christian. And I'll say, what church do you go to? They say, I don't go to church. So being a, a Christian and not going to church is like saying you play in the NFL and not having a team. Come on. All right. That's second service deserves, uh, third service deserves that. Uh, and some of what the cheese that you're going to hear today, some cheesy comments. First service said you deserve these. Because you come late to church in their mind. That's what they said. You're here late. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I think you're just fine. Whatever we do for Jesus will never be wasted. Think about that. Whatever you do together as a church for the Lord will never be wasted as all. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we, what? Would you read the rest? Do it for eternal prize. So we're talking about pathways to growth. We've been saying, let's pull the weeds out of our garden so the fruit of the Spirit can grow. We talked about love, joy, and peace, and we made sure that we all understood these are not fruits of the self, but fruits of the Spirit. These are things that are supernaturally produced inside of us. Speaking of teams, anybody know how many NFL teams there are? Quick. 32. Anybody else know 32? Anybody else say 32 over here? Good. You did? Who said 32? You guys did? All right, good. I'm going to tell you, Chad, Chad threw out some cheap football. This is a better one here. You got it? Look at that. Curveball. Here, you guys didn't get much over here. There you go. I can feel it. All right. Hey, be good now. Pay attention. <laughs> That's it. That's called the speaker's hook right there. But number one in your notes, if you get them out, you have to be a strong supporter of your team. A strong supporter of your team. Uh, you have no doubt heard many NFL players who are quoted as saying something derogatory about their team. They usually end up in the general manager's office. Well, I'm on this team. This team is no good. Pretty soon, right? So we have to speak well of one another. That's an important thing. And we need to be fans of the body of Christ, whether it's Nazarene or Lutheran or Episcopalian which we call Catholic Light, or Presbyterian, or Lutheran, or Foursquare, or First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, twice removed. We are not to bash the body of Christ. Now, people do that. I don't know why. Somebody said, well, our church is the best church in town. No, we're not the only church or the best church. We're just one of many. And we do things our way, and other churches do things their way. But together, the body of Christ advances and the kingdom advances when each part of us and each church does its work. So I was looking uh, Friday afternoon at uh, some of the sites where you could still buy tickets for the Super Bowl. Huh. I found two seats, upper nosebleed section, 2800 bucks a piece. Now, some of you might think, well, that's not much, but some people were scalping tickets 
for as much as 25 to 30,000 to sit at the 50-yard line. But these tickets were way up in the nosebleed. So I said, well, let's pretend I'm going to travel. So I started figuring out to fly into the game. Uh, parking about nine miles away was $39. If you want to park close, it's anywhere from $150 to $250 to park your car. So by the time I got my nachos with processed cheese, I would have spent about $10,250 if I stayed in a hotel. Every hotel has jacked their prices up this weekend. Duh, right? Uh, but people are committed. They are fans of their team. Now, how many of you are, are grieving the fact that your team's not going? Anybody grieving? Mourning? You wish it? How many of you, and I want to know this, how many of you frankly could care less about the Super Bowl? Look at this. This is law post. Are you kidding me? About 62.8%. What are you going to do today? If you go to the store, listen, if you go to the store during the second quarter, no one will be there. If you go to the store before the start of the game, you are in deep weeds. People will be there, okay? Uh, somebody needs a candy bar, but you got to, no, it's not time yet. All right. <laughs> All right. So here's the interesting thing. Not only are fans committed, so are the advertisers, and you know this. Back in 2006, a 30-second commercial, 2.5 million. 2015, 4.2 to 4.5. Last year, $5 million for a 30-second spot trying to get people to buy stuff they don't need with money they don't have. Now, married couples, any married couples going to watch the Super Bowl? Good, six. Uh, if you're married, married couples, just the rest of you, if you're single, don't, don't listen. Married couples, watch the Mr. Clean commercial. I've already seen it. Watch the Mr. Clean commercial and go thou and do likewise. Okay, <clears throat> married couples. Now some of you are going to watch the Super Bowl. Uh, I had a conversation with a family, speaking of doing church as a team recently, uh, newer to our, our church, and decided to come and be a part of LFC because of teaming. They like the fact that we uh, feed the under-resourced on Monday night, that we uh, reach out to our community in various ways, that we support other churches. Something spoke to their soul. And, of course, the harvest party, the post-game party, the ready, set, go, the firehouse, open house, the car show uh, with the police department, all of that stuff that we're a part of, along with supporting different schools in our community, they just, they just came here because of that. So never think that your ministry uh, reaching out beyond your walls goes in vain. Again, let me say it. Whatever we do for Christ will not be wasted. Whatever we do for Christ together will never be in, in vain. So uh, as they were serving at our snow day, I talked to them for a bit uh, while I was shoveling snow. I didn't think I'd be shoveling snow in Lompoc, but I was. And, and I talked to them for a bit, and they were so glad to be giving themselves away and putting smiles on people's faces, even the lady who thought we got the snow from Figueroa Mountain. 
But we have a captain. We have a captain. And of course, our, uh, our captain is Jesus Christ. And of course, our coach and our guide is the Holy Spirit. And we desperately need his guidance because he told us, we've read this before, in John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will what? Bear much fruit. And that's part of our pathway to growth, that we bear much fruit. And later on, he will say, it's fruit that remains even after you're gone. We're planting seeds in the ground. We're developing fruit that will remain. And the greatest fruit will be when you pour your life into the life of someone else. Some of the greatest things that we will ever do, we may not see in our lifetime. But it will be in generations to come. Parents, how you're pouring into your kids. And how grandparents, you're pouring into your grandkids. Uh, I've got a, a grandson who's 11 and a granddaughter who is nine, and every chance I get, I try to pour something in them, into them of encouragement and affirmation and something in them about Jesus. Every time I see them, I just, I find something. Lord, help me be alert and attentive. Now, they will outlive me, and they will impact their next generation. So a lot of what we do will, will be impacted far beyond where we live today and, and how long we will live on this life. But notice what he went on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, some of us are going to say, well, I can do some stuff, but he's talking about spiritual fruit. We can't bear it apart from him. And even if you could accomplish things on your own, you don't accomplish them on your own because he gave you a brain. He gave you the ability to have strength. He gave you your breath and your heartbeat. I know this is simple and you know this. But here's one thing we do know. Today, there will be NFL players who will watch the game and not play the game. There are 32 teams, so 30 team members, 30 NFL teams and their team members and their water boy and their trainers and their marketing people will be watching the game. And I'm going to tell you what they're going to do because I know a few NFL players. You know what they do? If I only would have made that play, oh, I should have caught that ball. I wish I would have tackled that guy. I wish, we would, I, wish I would have made that kick. I, and, and they start to live with what we call, and you know this word, regret. My good friend Wayne Cadero says, there are two pains in life, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, and you get to choose. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret, you get to choose. The fruit of the Spirit. So how many Falcons fans? Come on. Anybody? Well, if 62.8% could care less about the game, I might be with the wrong crowd. Any Falcons fans? Come on. The Falcons have a, what do they have? What, it's a dance? Anybody know how to do it? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Anybody know? Anybody know how to do it? Come on. You can come on. I see you. Come on. Just give me that. That's good enough. Here, watch yourself. Incoming. Oh, help them out. Pass it back. And if the sermon gets any worse than this, go ahead and open it up. Uh, any Patriots fans today? What did the Patriots do? All right. Anybody else? Ed, Ed, 
Anybody else got a jersey? You got a jersey on? Patriots jersey? Anybody else? There you go, Ed. Just for you, buddy. There you go. Who's on the back of your jersey? Do you know? All right. Go ahead and boo them. Do you know that Vegas, Vegas has already determined that the MVP of the game is going to be Tom Brady? Now, you might like it or not, but if so, if you bet on Brady being MVP, you're not going to win very much because the odds are in your favor. Uh, by the way, just hot off the press, the uh, uh, New England Patriots are favored to win, depends who you ask, anywhere between three and seven points, okay? Just thought I would tell you that. So if the Falcons pull it off, well, you know. Now, speaking of dirty birds, let's talk about clean birds, chicken. According to the National Chicken Council, Americans will eat 1.33, 1.33 billion with a B chicken wings today, just, just today. So I got my calculator out, depending on the size of the wing, it's 166.25 million pounds, which is 300 times the combined weight of all the 32-team NFL players together, okay? That's a lot of chicken wings. 227 million will be spent on potato chips today. You okay with that? Now, this next item is only for psychological benefit. It's called a veggie tray. And people bring out the veggie tray, and it usually sits there, and if you've got it in the store, you didn't chop your own veggie, it usually sits there with that plastic dome. It's psychological. As you bypass the veggie tray to go to the guacamole, right? Or the hummus dip, right? Uh, whatever it is you do. $13 million on veggie tray, $227, $227 million on chips, $10 million on dips. Should have been the dip business. $89.5 million on popcorn today. 58 million on deli sandwiches, but wait, what do you think has the most expenditure? It's a beverage. It's called beer. 1.2 billion today on beer and malt flavored drinks. You wine connoisseurs, you don't even scratch the surface. Only 594 million, but hard liquor, 503 million on whiskey, vodka, rum, tequila, gin, and Starbucks. Uh, and I'm going to add in there, because I care about you, don't drink and drive. We had a horrible crash in Lompoc this last week at H and Central, and uh, people were injured, and a fire hydrant was sheared off, allegedly, I have to use that word, by a drunk driver who went through the intersection, light was red, cars were stopped, and sad story. Uh, now, I told you I'd bring some cheese before we get back to the scriptures. Uh, here's a little cheese. So the pastor came out. This is really cheesy. Eight o'clock said you deserve it. Pastor came out in a referee shirt, flipped a, cor uh, a quarter right before the offering, and he said, the ushers will receive. Okay. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> backfield in motion. Anybody know that's, that's a call, backfield in motion? 
Uh, it's also an old song from the 60s. You know it's against the rules. It's making a, a trip to the restroom during a real quiet time in the sermon. A blitz is what usually happens after church as people rush to the restaurant. A personal foul is falling asleep during the sermon. An extra point is what you receive when you tell the pastor his long message was too short. Illegal motion, getting up and down numerous times during the sermon. Instant replay, the pastor forgets he just gave an illustration and gives it again. And run is what some of you do when we say amen. You run to the car and you don't want to deal with anybody after church. Uh, I, I wrote this one, uh, staying in the pocket, you know. Staying in the pocket, that's when the ushers come to receive the offering and you decide <laughs> to keep it in the pocket, not give to the Lord. So much for the spirit of generosity. And sudden death is what happens when the service goes way too long and the children's ministries team <laughs> is dealing with your kids. Sudden death, right there, okay? All right, enough cheese. Now, Paul the Apostle, <laughs> Paul the Apostle was no doubt an athletic supporter. I got to be careful saying that, don't I? <laughs> he talks about running the race. He talks about the fight. He talks about the prize. And uh, in Corinth, of course, they had the uh, Isthmian Games, which were second only to the Olympics in the ancient world, and Paul had a supreme focus upon what we call sports. So, the first point, here it is. Make sure that you really support your team. Make sure that you are a supporter of all that God is doing, uh, not just uh, here, but in the body of Christ. Be a strong supporter of your team. Number two, be focused. Be focused about the main goal in your life. Make the main thing the main thing. Philippians 3, verses 8 to 11 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. This is, this is Paul. He graduated from the number one Hebrew university. He says in the Bible that he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, this guy had great influence, even though he uses influence for negative things to persecute Christians. But he said, everything that I've accomplished, all my plaques on my wall, all the money in my bank account, whatever I've accomplished in my life, whatever influence I have, whatever churches that I've started, I count everything lost except for the surpassing worth of knowing, knowing Christ. Now, you should write that word down or underline that word, knowing Christ, knowing Christ. What it implies is he's not just watching a game. He's not just a spectator, he's an aggressive participator. He's knowing who Christ is. And he says he's my Lord, personal, for whose sake I've lost all things. I don't care what I had because I consider everything garbage, rubbish. Uh, the literal Greek word is dung. Good morning. That I can gain Christ. I consider everything worthy of the sewer system except for gaining a relationship with Christ Jesus, and I want to gain him. I want to gain, excuse the word, but points with him. 
I want the score of my relationship to go up and up exponentially with him. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. This is a focused life. You follow the life of the Apostle Paul, and he is focused in every way, shape, or form. Nothing deters him. Prison doesn't deter him. Being beaten and left for dead when he's preaching Jesus Christ doesn't deter him. In your notes, compared to his own religious efforts, Paul is praising the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Now, some of us think that football is just an easy game. I mean, if you're big, you go out there, you know, if your name is Bubba Bubba, first and last name are the same, you go out there and knock people's heads off. But have you noticed they've got these, these smart tablets now? I mean, these guys are out there. They are studying the X's and the O's. They are working diligently with, uh, with technology now, and they can actually beam to them any video on the field that they need to see. You missed the tackle, and here's how you missed it. They can go back, and they can actually watch it. If you've got your pen, I'd like you to, to write down a, a couple of words that aren't in the, in the notes, but find a spot there. For back in 1904, a young man by the name of William Borden, uh, Borden cream cheese, Borden sour cream, Borden dairy, uh, he graduates from high school, and in his bank account, he's already a millionaire. 1904, he's a millionaire. And his parents sent him on a trip around the world. He traveled through Asia, through the Middle East, through Europe, and God put a strong burden in his heart for people that were far from Christ. Here's what he said. I am going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. So he comes back home, and one day in his Bible, he writes two words. You could write them down. No reserves. I'm not going to reserve anything. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to be fully committed to this call on my life, to a focused life. No, no, no reserves. He turns down a high-paying job with his family. He graduates from Yale University, and he writes down two more words in his Bible. No retreats. Just write it down. No retreats. Not going to hold anything back. No reserves. No retreats. I'm not going to step away from anything. I've got a goal in my mind, and I'm going to accomplish it. So he gets a heart to go to China, and he works with those that are far from Christ. And on his way to China, he stops in Egypt for preparation. Part of his heart is to work with Muslims who have a belief system other than the Scriptures. And while he's there, he's stricken with cerebral meningitis. And he writes two more words. No regrets. No reserves. No retreats. No regrets. Wouldn't that be a great way to end your life? I didn't hold anything back from the Lord and his call on my life and his focus on my life. I, 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 I didn't, didn't retreat at all. When people came against me, when persecution came against me, 
But people at school were against me. Didn't do it at all. And then the last thing to be able to say, I don't have any regrets at all. Which leads me to the third thing, that we need to be pressing toward the goal. Pressing toward the goal. Philippians 3.12 says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I, but I, I press. I press on to take a hold of why Christ has taken hold of me. Why did I get saved? Why did the Lord save me? So I could go to church and then I could die and go to heaven when I'm done? Many years ago, there was a Christian band, they're no longer together, called Messenger, and they had a song based on this. And I remember being in a recording studio where they were laying down this, this song, and, and it said, when I feel like I've arrived, I just remember where I'm going. And I see that I've got a lot of growing yet to do. I'm not through. I keep trying to take hold of why Christ took hold of me. And someday I'll perceive it, but until that day, I'll keep pressing on. And it was a jazz song, and I won't sing it for you, don't worry. We'll save it for Lady Gaga today at the halftime. <laughs> Somebody had a typo online, said Lady Google will be there. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Think about runners, how they strain, because later on Paul's going to say this word, we strain toward the finish line. Think about, about football players at that, that, that line where they're trying to get into the goal, and it's a goal line stand. And all you have to do is have the ball break the plane, and, and I, if it's not your team, I'm sorry, but 28, baby, trying to bring it in. And you know what the defenders are thinking, no way are you getting in. Can I tell you what the devil's thinking? No way are you going to press on. No way are you going to press toward the goal. No way are you going to be focused. But we're swiftly pursuing God's purpose with enthusiasm. Now, this passage in Philippians 3, I had the joy of, of getting out some Greek word books that I have and some study books and pictures from the Greek language. I won't take time to tell you everything it says, but just let me give you a few phrases. We are going to pursue... Even in the midst of persecution, we are going to press toward the goal no matter what the cost. The word from Thayer's Greek lexicon says that when we press on and we strive, it's to run after someone or something, to chase them down until we catch them. That's football. Some guy running out in the flat. Some defender coming from nowhere, chasing them down. We're to chase after the things of the Spirit. We're to chase after the pathway to growth. We're to pull the weeds of envy and self-centeredness and gossip and, and hatred and bitterness and prejudice and just say, God, we're going for it. You know, later on in Paul's life, near the end, he will say, I have run my race. I have finished my course. I have fought my and I long to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. The word in the Greek says, no matter the discouragement, the chase is on. And the chase is not just passive. 
It, it is, it's, it's white hot. It's a flame that's just fanned into, into a massive flame. It's an ember that is fanned into a massive flame. It's a story that's told of the pilot. He's flying his little Cessna aircraft over to the central coast of California, some beautiful terrain. And all of a sudden, he hears this sound. And he recognizes it's the sound of a rodent trying to chew something on his airplane. And it dawns on him, I've got a problem. What if it's an electrical line? What if it's a fuel line? What if it's something that's going to be my demise? And he remembered, true story by the way, he remembered that rodents can't handle high altitude. So he pulled back on that stick and took that plane up to where he needed to wear oxygen. And all of a sudden, there was no more. And when he landed the plane, he saw the world's largest rat about to chew through all the insulation in his electrical system. But he pulled back on the stick. I know it's a silly illustration. First service said you deserve it. Wherever you, you, you hear a gnawing at your soul, wherever there's thoughts in your mind that you need to stop thinking about, Romans 12 says we renew our minds. Wherever there's things going on in your heart, uh, Proverbs 4 says we guard our heart, it's the wellspring of life. Whatever you got to do, pull back on the stick and say, I'm going to go high, I'm going to aim high. Don't let hardships in your notes and difficulties discourage you. When you hear that, you know what to do. When you feel far away from God or when someone close to you tells you that you're far away from God, get back to the playbook, get back to his word, get back to the spirit. I remember years ago on a Monday night football, it was the Chicago Bears versus the New York Giants. Neither are playing today. And one of the commentators said, there he is, number 34, old sweetness. Walter Payton, if you're old enough to ever have seen him, amazing, amazing gift as a running back. And the commentator said, Walter Payton has now just rushed for nine miles. Isn't that amazing? And the other commentator, I think it was Al Michaels, said something to this effect. That's nothing. It's only nine miles. He got knocked down every 4.6 yards and got up to get to those nine miles. Now that's something. Every time he got knocked down, the apostle Paul said, we're knocked down but not knocked out. We're pressed on every side, but we're not depressed. People are coming against us, but we have a goal and we're focused. John 16, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Be clear of your goal, stay focused on your goal, and be pressing on for Jesus and all he has for you. Michelangelo said these words, the greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. What is God asking you to do? Where have you let go of your dreams? Here's a challenge. 
Where have you stopped pursuing God's best for your life, best for your relationship, best for your education, best for your marriage, best for your kids, best for your finances? In Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Notice that he's focused on heaven, not just on earth. And he, in your notes, is letting nothing interfere with his race, and nor should we. Let nothing interfere with your life's race. What are you called to do? I'm going to challenge you this week to revisit what God has spoken to you in the past. If you keep a journal, go back and read some of the things you wrote. What do you, what do you believe that God wants for you to do? Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind me, and I strain towards what is ahead. I am running for the goal, heavenward, what Christ has called me to do. Philippians 3, 17, 21 says, Join together in following my example. Especially you younger people in this room. Boy, find people that will help you run your race. Find people that will encourage you. Remember what we said. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Find people that will encourage you to run. Find people that will sometimes mess with you, like sandpaper. Don't you love sandpaper people? Well, yeah, if you're trying to get the rough spot smoothed out, you do. A lot of you love to see fine furniture. You have to understand the process. A tree got cut for that. Ouch. That thing was planed down. Ouch. That thing was sanded. Ouch. And when finished coats were put on it, they, they used the finest of sandpaper. So, Don't mess with my life. Less, Lord, come mess with me a little bit because I want to be better. Team together with others who are following hard after Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to end with this story. It won't be too long because we don't want to have sudden death in children's ministries. When I was in high school, some of you have heard me tell this, some of the story, but not this one. When I was in high school, I ran cross country and track. Be careful, young people, because if you stop working out, this could happen to you. First day I went out for cross country, I came out of the marching band and, uh, you know, three, four, five miles in a parade with a drum. You think you're all that, right? And they said, okay, Bernie, we're going to run the hills of Griffith Park. It was two miles from the high school before we got to the hills. I couldn't make the two miles. I'm not talking about marching. That's hard. I get it. I'm talking about running with guys who've been running for a long time. I was a newbie, and I'm running with this guy. And I still remember at the end of the street, <laughs> Coach Steve used to say, Bernie, come on, Bernie. All the guys are taking a break because they got there so fast. They're all like this, and here I come. And then we had to run the hills of, of Griffith Park, and then we ran back, and then we, and then we started running. I right, fast forward now, 7 to 12 miles a day, like it was nothing. Now, some of you are going to look at me and go, there's no way. But, but can I tell you, my senior year of high school, I ran in the LA Marathon, and I finished it. 
I tell you, be careful. This could happen to you. <laughs> I was never as fast as I wanted to be. I was born fat, not fast. But I worked. I mean, I worked. I strained. I pressed. My friend named Randy was born fast. He was all CIF sprinter. Played on our football team. He was a ride receiver. And one day, I am working out at the track. Now, Randy was laying down on the porta pits. Those are the things the high jumpers jump into. He had done his two laps, did his stretching, and he was now laying down. And I'm there sprinting the straights, jogging the curves, sprinting the straights, jogging the curves, running the bleachers, coming back. I am pouring down sweat. And uh, I ran different races. I was a utility guy. I ran the 220, the 440, the mile, whatever they needed. I just filled the spot. And I kept getting better and better and better. And one day, I have to tell you, this is just the way it went down. Randy yells out, hey, Fetterman, give it up. Oh, man, I still feel it. And I turned around to him. I said, hey, I won't call him by his last name. Hey, Randy, get to work. Coach said, oh, come on now. He's our star guy. And I, I'm going to tell you. I said, Coach, he stinks. I set the record in 100. Set the record in 220. One of our star players. What do you, I said, he stinks. One of the worst athletes I ever met in my life. All the guys, you, you know, they remember high school? Fight, fight. No fight. At the top of my lungs, the second row of the bleachers, 50-yard line, I yelled down the porta pits. I was born fat and slow, but I'm getting faster. Wonder how fast you'd be if you actually worked out. Fight, fight. <laughs> Randy went on to play football for USC. Randy went on to play for Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL. And when they cut Randy, I was watching the game. At the end of the game, they said, this is uh, Randy's last game. He's being cut from the team. And I said, I know why. I know why. Probably late for practice. Probably drinking water at the fountain. Everybody else is running. Now, don't get me wrong. You get to get to the NFL, which stands for not for long. That's a big deal. Hey, I wonder, I wonder how many of you, it's just hard work for you. It's hard work to get up and pray. It's hard work to get up and read your Bible. It's hard work to keep your thoughts on Christ and not on other stuff. It's just stinking hard work. But I'm here to tell you it's worth it. By the way, the slowest guy on the squad became one of the faster guys. And I got to go to the CIF finals in Los Angeles. I took second place. Don't, no, don't, oh, oh, oh. I took second place in the 220. You have any, that's half a lap. You have any, any concept what that is? And when I got on that little stand, got my little second place trophy, I looked at Randy laying on the grass. 
He got third place in his race. So I think I'm going to get me a candy bar and go home now. Hey, I know we went way over time. I don't care. Run your race. Do the hard work. Be disciplined. You have discipline, or you have regret. Choices. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com. Leads to 